KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. You're listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Yud Gimel Tevet, Parashat Vayechi. The Erev Shabbat program is Lilu Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel, and I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. Uh, I would like to also dedicate um, the Arab Shabbat program to the memory of the soldiers who were killed in the battles this week in the Gaza Strip. Um, I personally knew um, Dagan Vertman, Hashem Dagan Vertman, Zichron Ali Vracha, um, who was uh, a student with me in Yeshiva, not here in Haaretzion, but in Oretzion many years ago. His brothers too. And... Um, when uh, he passed away, I'm not sure if he passed away on Tet Tevet or on Asraba Tevet, but the news of his passing away, of being killed by a friendly fire, uh, got out on uh, Asraba Tevet. And uh, we were saying the Haftarah on Asraba Tevet and the, and the Pasuk that uh, I suppose really choked me up or the following Pasukim, refer- referring to... Thus says Hashem to the Sarisim. The Sarisim are people who cannot have children. But nonetheless, despite the fact that they can't have children, they kept my Shabbatot, and they chose what I chose, and they held steadfast to my covenant. I will give them in my house and in my walls a hand and a name, better than sons and daughters. I will give them an eternal name, a that will never be cut off. Unfortunately, Dagan uh, was never privileged to be married, though he was not a Saris. But he was not privileged to be married, and there is something of a bitter feeling um, when we talk about someone passing from the world uh, without children, as if uh, there is no continuation to them. And these words of the Navi Yeshayahu that we read in the Haftarah on Asarab Tevet are certainly a, a uh, comfort for us, for his family, um, that... The people who are staying in the covenant with God, keeping Shabbatot, choosing what God chooses, then their memory and their name in the world will be much more everlasting, much more than those people who have children. And um, it's always tragic to talk about people in this vein because anybody who's been to a shiva for an 85-year-old person who passed away who has children and grandchildren as opposed to a, a young man who dies be- before he gets married, before he has children, the tragedy is, is very palatable in the latter Shiva. And <clears throat> unfortunately, everybody knows some people like this who, you know, whether it's something to do with uh, the security situation in Israel has to do with a car accident, of people who we know that they stopped growing at some point, and uh, we look at each other, and we look at our peers, and we see us ourselves moving ahead in life, and getting married, and having children, and moving on, Bezrat Hashem, 
and those friends and peers of ours who whose lives were taken away are at that same point they're they're there they're still 18 was my friend Ad Bachrach who was killed in Vadikelt I guess nearly 14 years ago now nearly 15 years ago now and and Dagan Vertman Zichonoli Vracha who will eternally be 32 years old but um, with all of that we 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 take comfort in Hashem's words like I said I will give them in my house and in my walls and a hand and a name which is better than sons and daughters, an eternal name I will give them which will not be cut off. Can you hear Ratzon? Second point. I wanted to, I think as a regular speaker in KMTT, one has to take responsibility for what they say, and I want to take responsibility for last week and apologize. I thought last week's KMTT Arab Shabbat program was terrible, and I take full responsibility for it. The one thing I can say in my defense is that I wasn't feeling well that week, and I didn't go into work even, and I made an effort to come in to record, and uh, perhaps... Uh, the drives into work are what clear my mind to allow me to think about what I want to speak about. And I didn't have that last week. And I hope that the level of the Arab Shabbat program stays on a high level and that um, I will not disappoint, as I disappointed myself, like last week. Of course, being that I've been recording on KMDT for a couple years now, two and a half years, I'm not exactly sure. And... Very, 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 very seldom is there any feedback. Latavulamuta, for good or for bad. Um, when I give a good camp to Tishir, I think, I think it's good, and that's what my, uh, uh, para- parameter is for judging if it's good, and if I think it's bad, it's I who think that it's bad, and no one else is sharing their opinion with me, so last week was bad, this week and in the future I hope will be good. <clears throat> At the end of this week's Parsha, if we're talking about God's hand in history and trying to understand God's hand in history, at the end of this week's Parsha, Parshat Vayechi, and it's something that comes up already in Parshat Vayigash as well, after Yaakov passes away and they bear, the sons bury him in Eretz Yisrael and they return to Mitzrayim, the the brothers fear again for their lives, and they and they say in the name of their father. They beg in the name of their father to forgive their sin. Um, whether Yaakov told this to the brothers or not is unclear. Rashi's of the opinion that Yaakov never said this, and Yaakov never knew till his dying day what the brothers did to Yosef. Nonetheless, they used him as a as an anchor for their apology. And Yosef, as he responded when he first met his brothers, after all those years, not the first time, when he revealed himself to his brothers, I should say, he he gives the same explanation. The reason why Yosef is being forgiving is that 
it is true that you thought that you did your action for bad. You wanted to do something bad, and therefore you sold me into slavery, or you allowed for the circumstances that allowed me to be sold into slavery. Um, those of you who are wondering about that second formulation, look at the Rashbam in Parshat Vayeshev, at the beginning of the Parsha, where he claims that I'll pee up shot, and that's the simple reading of the text. The brothers planned to sell Yosef to Mitzrayim, or into slavery, but before they got back to him, he was already taken out of the pit by other passerbys and sold. Nonetheless, either way, they certainly were responsible for the circumstances that led to Yosef's led to Yosef being sold into slavery, and and Yosef's response in both in the beginning of Parshat Vayigash when he reveals himself for the first time, and also here Vayechi seventeen years later when his father's already passed away, and perhaps now he's got a an axe to grind with his brothers, and just like Esav says, when my father dies, I'll kill Yaakov, so perhaps the brothers are fearing that Yosef's thinking is, now that my father is dead, I will take my vengeance, and he's consistent, and he says, you thought of it for bad, and I, and God had plans for it for good, God's plan was for me to get down to Mitzrayim, to become the second in command to Paro, to predict his dreams, and to take care of Am Yisrael in, during this famine, or the famine that happened, and save them from the, from, the, from the potentially tragic results that could have happened in the famine had Yosef not been in Mitzrayim. And with this, Yosef forgives his brothers. That's what we seem to, say, to see consistently. And this is legitimate. It is legitimate for Yosef to forgive his brothers for whatever reason he wants to forgive them on the level of what they did to him. Ben Adam I'm allowed to forgive someone who sinned against me. And Yosef uses the consideration that since we see that in the divine plan there was a greater purpose to what happened, so therefore he sees no reason to hold back his forgiveness. And the question is, how umnam? Is this in fact true? Is the fact that God has a hand in history and He is able to lead things in a way that actions that were even bad actions and were done maliciously and were done with bad intent and He can change them and turn them into something of a positive outcome, does that remove the guilt from the people who committed the sin, the crime, with malicious intent, with bad intent. In the eyes of God, are the brothers forgiven for what they did to their brother Yosef? Because God had a bigger plan and outsmarted the brothers and made Yosef into the second command in Egypt. The answer, in my opinion, is of course no. For the simple reason that we are simple human beings, or we are simple Jews, or whatever we are, who have to do the right action in life. And we are told what is right and what is wrong. And it is clear that the action that the brothers were doing 
was a bad action. It was a wrong action. And the brothers know that it's a bad action. We are guilty for our brother that we saw him begging for his life and we did nothing. And this point is brought up in even in stronger terms, of course, in the Musaf of Yom Kippur that we said several months ago, where we get into Asara HaRugay Malchut. And in contrast to the Asara HaRugay Malchut in Tisha B'Av, the backdrop for the Asara HaRugay Malchut in, in the Tefillah of Yom Kippur is <clears throat> the guilt of these ten great scholars in the time of the Romans is being placed upon them in exchange for the guilt of the ten brothers who sold Yosef. And the Caesar in the story, of course the story is a somewhat of a fabrication, of a historical fabrication. These people were killed, these scholars were killed, but not in one sitting, and not they were not even, not all of them even existed in the same time period. But the story being told is that the Caesar says, what is the, the, the punishment for someone who sell someone into slavery, and they say, the punishment is death. And then the Caesar says, well, the ten tribes, the ten brothers, they committed this, and they never suffered the consequences. You ten scholars should suffer the consequences. And the Kohen gets the, the Kohen Gadol amongst them, Rabbi Ishmael, gets the approval from above that this is in fact God's will. And, and, and in that sense, the, the story of Asra Urgei Malchut is making a clear statement about our actions and God's involvement in history. God has many ways of changing bad things into good things or making something positive grow from something bad. And this does not remove responsibility of an individual's actions. And I think perhaps the strongest evidence of this is when we talk about going down to Mitzrayim. I would like to believe that part of the reason that we go down to Mitzrayim as slaves, or part of the reason that we're punished to go to Mitzrayim as slaves, is because the brother sold Yosef into slavery. And not only did it lead us going to Mitzrayim, it it, it uh, directly, we went to Mitzrayim as a result of that action, but also um, it involved slavery, everything makes sense. Some might say to me, but that was God's plan for them to be slaves in Mitzrayim. As he told Avraham in Brit Ben Abtarim, your, your seed is going to be slaves and be afflicted in a land that's not theirs. So, if that's the case, if God already decided that this is going to happen, then there's no. this is not a punishment for anything. And many Rishonim have already made claims as to why Ibn Israel were punished for going down, as to be slaves in Mitzrayim. In other words, the, the, the divine decree that we have to be slaves in Mitzrayim does not remove responsibility of our sins leading to us being slaves in Mitzrayim. Perhaps our sins were inevitable, and therefore the slavery was inevitable as well. Or perhaps God knew that we were going to do these sins without them being inevitable, and therefore God could state it as a fact. 
And how do we know that God's decree does not remove guilt? Because in that same Brit Ben Abtarim, after saying that Avram's seed will be slaves in Mitzrayim, it says that the nation, the nation that they were enslaved to, God will judge them. Why is God judging them? There was a decree, this was what God's will was. And this, this has to be said over and over again. God's decree, Lechud, and our actions, Lechud. God has a plan, He has a master plan, He is going to fulfill that plan through whatever different choices we make along the way. And that doesn't remove our responsibility for our choices, because we live in a world where God has given us clear directions how we're to behave morally as human beings, as Jews. It is not for us to calculate God's master plan in figuring out our actions. We will never ever choose to purposely sin. In order to fulfill God's plan, we will always do the right thing that God has told us to do, and we'll let God do the cheshbon afterwards. God will figure out the math, how to make things happen. And the fact that Yosef forgave his brother for what they did, it's his legitimate right to do that. I'm not critical of that. But what I am saying is that we should not be mistaken that if our bad actions, our sins, eventually led to something positive, we don't get any credit for that. God gets credit for that. We take the blame and say al and do tshuva for the sins that we do. We are responsible for our actions. And at the end, after being responsible for our actions, and at the end, after trying our best to do the right thing in the eyes of God, we have nothing to do but to pray to Hashem that whatever actions human beings take in the world, He guides it to a positive end. Once again, our prayers are with the soldiers fighting in Aza with the citizens of Israel who are faithful to the state of Israel in the south of the country, who are being hit by rockets. Um, may we know peace in Eretz Israel very soon, and regardless of our actions, may our actions be good actions, but if our actions, if we don't know, always know what the right thing is to do, or if we sometimes do the wrong thing, may God lead our actions, even without us being privileged to that, may God lead our actions to a good outcome. Shabbat Shalom.